1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. Today, Joe is working a night shift, which means I'm recording alone, but Joe will be with us. He's going to review some mock drafts out there from the Draft Network and from CBS Sports, I think. Some good ones. Both of them should make Bengals fans pretty happy, depending on what you think of the specific players drafted. Joe and I like them well enough. So you'll get our thoughts on those in a little bit. I'm going to start the show by talking about the Bengals' outlook at cornerback. A very interesting position where the Bengals have a lot of turnover expected, I think, especially with the Dre Kirkpatrick potential cap cut as he's entering the late part of his career, coming off an injury, new coaching staff. Time is right, I think, for the Bengals to move on from Kirkpatrick, but we'll get into all of that in the positional outlook, and then we'll get into those mock drafts to review. On top of that, I might talk a little bit about a 2017 redraft that went over on The Athletic today. And if you're a Bengals history guy and and you're one of those listeners that thinks we don't talk about history enough, I do want to shout out Jeff Hobson at Bengals.com. Just put up an all-decade team. We won't talk about that today, but you can go check it out. We might get to it tomorrow or later this week. But it's time to get into the cornerbacks because I think that that will be a very interesting position for the Bengals this offseason. The obvious place to start when discussing cornerbacks for the Bengals in 2020 is free agency. Darquez Denard will be a free agent. He's 29 years old and is an unrestricted free agent, again looking for a long-term second contract. He settled for a bit of a lower deal than I think anyone expected he would get with the Bengals this year, but had a really solid year at slot corner and I think expects to do better on the open market. He is, however... Looking for outside corner opportunities, and that is something he hasn't really done in the NFL. So, I think this will be another one where we have to wait and see what the market does for Dark our, But if he is healthy this season, he wasn't last year, there's a chance that he catches on and makes some more money going to another team this year, and it sounds like, from what Paul Daner said in an article for The Athletic, these parties are leaning in opposite directions, and they were last year too, so if Darquez Dinard is back in stripes, I think it would be a surprise. They do have three restrictive free agents that I don't expect to get anything more than an original round tender, or the lowest tender that you can get for a restrictive free agent, and that's Greg Maven, Tony McRae, and Tori McTire. One of those that played the most for the Bengals was Tony McRae, of course. He's been around for quite a while. The Bengals also have Tony Brown, an exclusive rights-free agent. So any of those guys might be back and might be in camp to compete. The biggest question, though, comes with, what's the future of the position? As of right now for 2020, before Andy Dalton is moved, he's their top cap hit for 2020, but Drake Kirkpatrick is their third, and they stand to save... $8.3 $8.3 million against the cap with a $2.8 million dead hit to offset his $11 million cap hit. That's a lot of savings for a guy who was hurt, who, again, is on the wrong side of 30 and hasn't played great, hasn't really lived up to the money. He's a top-paid corner for the Bengals. William Jackson on his fifth-year option this year will be making $9.5 million. million. But Dre still has two years on his deal. It would be unlike the Bengals. I think Marvin Lewis's Bengals in particular to move on from Dre Kirkpatrick because they're the ones that drafted him and they are the ones that installed him in this team. Two years left on that deal, though, that has him currently paid actually as a top 16, top 20 cornerback in the NFL. This is right in the company with Joe Hayden, Jimmy Smith, Logan Ryan, Darius Slay. So not necessarily the most inspiring group of names, but a lot of veterans late in their second deal at this point, this is the going rate for what guys were getting when Drake Kirkpatrick signed that deal. And Kirkpatrick just hasn't played to the level of his contract in that time. He might be unduly criticized. He might be over criticized by Bengals fans, but that doesn't change the fact that he's a very appealing cap cut for a new coaching staff that could be looking for some turnover. But if they do move on from Drake Kirkpatrick, that means that you're only Players under contract at cornerback are B.W. Webb, Darius Phillips, Winston Rose, who came down from the CFL, and likely Tony Brown, who was claimed off waivers from Green Bay. William Jackson is a free agent after 2020. B.W. Webb, Darius Phillips, Winston Rose, all free agents after 2022. So it really becomes a question of what is the future at this position and where do the Bengals go for help? This is one reason that we've mocked corners to the Bengals quite frequently in our mock draft Mondays on the Locked On Bengals podcast, and a reason that we've talked about some free agent targets. One guy that PFF thinks the Bengals should pursue with fervor is Byron Jones, the Dallas Cowboys cornerback, who is probably the best available cornerback on the market. And so I think you can consider that that is not going to be something that the Bengals pursue. But One name that we've heard a lot from beat writers is Logan Ryan. Another one might be Trey Waynes, and Trey Waynes is essentially, and we've talked about this on the podcast, a faster version of Drake Kirkpatrick. Chris Harris would be a guy that would be a pure slot. He played outside last year, wasn't as good as he was when he played exclusively in the slot formerly. That would be a really good signing, but probably on the more expensive side, and he'll be 31 this year. Logan Ryan is in his age 29 year, but another guy that could be interesting is a guy the Bengals tried to sign last year, Brian Poole. He ended up signing with the Jets and had a fantastic year, mostly playing in the slot. Would be a good replacement for Darpa And then you'd have an opportunity for Darius Phillips to play outside. If it's none of them, they could kick the tires on some of the lower priced targets in free agency like Eli Apple or maybe Ronald Darby, who's coming off a career worst year. But prior to that was very solid. They will need to address the position, probably in multiple ways, and this one will be one of the more interesting ones to watch this offseason. So real quick, before Joe gets into mock draft review today, I want to take a minute to talk about the 2017 NFL Draft Redo. Of course, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett, surprisingly Christian McCaffrey, Tredavious White, TJ Watt, Ryan Ramzik, George Kittle, all gone before the Bengals pick. At number nine, this is a pick that they used on John Ross. And you might notice that the one guy that wasn't drafted in the top eight that was picked when the Bengals actually drafted John Ross is Jamal Adams. Safety for the New York Jets, who's been very good, has been quite a playmaker. And that's who Jay Morrison has them picking here. He says a consideration would also be given to Marlon Humphrey, although the Bengals had a stable of four first-round corners at the time. And I'm trying to think back to 2017, if I would have been upset if the Bengals had used another first-round draft pick, another premium draft pick on Marlon Humphrey, because that was a little bit before I had my positional value revelation, my opinion, that really I wouldn't be upset at corner drafting at, at nine in the future. If it's not a quarterback... You want to go for another premium position, and cornerback is right up there. Now you could also consider Marshawn Lattimore. I think he's been excellent for the Saints at corner. So there's a couple of really good corners that you could pick. There you could consider uh, Chris Godwin from the Bills, or sorry, from the uh, he's picked by the Bills in the redraft. He he was drafted originally by Tampa and has been extremely good for Tampa. That would mean you don't need a wide receiver anymore. But I think I'm on board here to pick. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, given the way the board has fallen, Lattimore has been essentially a lockdown corner, pair him with William Jackson. And you're laughing. I think you're set at corner outside for a while and you can figure out what you're doing at, at slot corner. We're talking about corner in this episode. So maybe you go out and sign Brian Poole and you're happy with it. Or you, uh, let Darius Phillips try to play inside and you're solid at corner. I mean, rock solid at corner. Other guys that I would consider, Eddie Jackson has been one of the better safeties in the league, and I think he is worth consideration as well. I'm um, looking at some of the other guys picked here. There were a lot of running backs picked that I really don't agree with. Like, it just, we, we need to get over the, the obsession with running backs. For example, Chris Perkins, who covers the Miami Dolphins, had them pick James Conner. And I think, you know, ahead of Malik Hooker, who's had some injury issues, ahead of Taylor Moton, an offensive tackle, but I just... The positional value isn't there. Kareem Hunt ends up going in the first round in this one. Despite the problems he's had, I I just, I I can't get behind those sorts of picks. But I would like the Bengals to take a defensive back here. And if that is a safety that's a corner, that would have been great. Unfortunately, we can't redo history. So we're going to look toward the future in just a minute here where we get into a couple mock drafts that we're going to review. Stick around. So like I mentioned, since yesterday was Mock Draft Monday, we did our own Mock Draft. Today, Joe is going to go through a couple mocks that are out there in the world of the internet, Mock Draft Twitter, etc., Mock Draft websites. He's going to go through a B draft first, and then he's going to go through a draft that is a little bit better, and I don't mean to spoil it, but that's just the order we're going to go in here. You can decide who you would take in those scenarios. He'll give you an outline of who's available when they picked, who the mock drafter had the Bengals take. So let's get into the first one here. And we're really starting in the second round in these, but I'll let Joe tell you why.
0: I think everyone feels like the first overall pick is locked up, spoken for at this point. That means we can focus on pick number 33, the Bengals' second round pick, the first of round two. They hold the first overall pick in every round this year. And setting the table for that and expectations for that, I think, comes with a lot of different things. Number one, as now the Senior Bowl is finished, the Combine is finished. We've got some pro days still on a few guys. Guys like T. Higgins, who could be seen as a first, second, or third round pick, depending on what happens with him, uh, especially in his testing. And then we look at it now, we got the board pretty much, the fluctuations of those draft process things pretty much set. We can start to get targets. We can start to get guys that we like, guys we dislike. It's almost like our first-round pick now. This is what it would feel like if we, if the Bengals ever won the Super Bowl and we have to ponder pick 32 for three months, right? We, we'd sit there and say, well, there's 31 other teams I have to pick before we know what's going to happen. Well, the same is true here for the Bengals at 33. So I'm going through a few mock drafts around the Internet, seeing who has gone in maybe the final five to eight picks in the first round and then setting the table for who's there at 33 and looking to see if they do two or three rounds. I'll, I'll let you know what's going on there. But this the first one here is from the Draft Network. This is Kyle Krabs. Kyle Krabs does great work, and we'll, we'll start with his. Um, and just so we're, so we're clear here, we're, I'm going to start and just mention anyone that seems interesting from the 20s. Grant Delpit has going number 20 to the Jaguars. Jeff Gladney, 21 to the Eagles. T. Higgins, 22 to the Bills. So I think we'd take any of those three guys at 33, without a doubt. Next is Cesar Ruiz, the the interior offensive lineman, goes 23. I don't know if the Bengals would be in on that one. Kenneth Murray, 24 to the Saints. Christian Fulton, corner to the Vikings at 25. Again, two other guys we'd be interested in. Josh Jones, offensive tackle, Houston, to the Dolphins at 26. Again, we would take him at at 33. Seahawks at 27, go Yeter Gross Matos. Not sure the Bengals would be on that. Not sure that's a big loss for us. So we got two guys so far where we're like, okay, go ahead. 28 Ravens, Zach Bond, edge uh, player out of Wisconsin. I think that would be a loss, and, and especially going to the Ravens. Uh, 29 Lucas Niang, offensive tackle, Titans. Uh, maybe, maybe not for the Bengals. 30 Denzel Mims, Packers. Definite loss for the Bengals at 33. Jordan Love, 31 to the Chargers. Uh, and this must have been a trade here. Uh, I think he goes on to say that that's not one the Bengals will miss. And then at 32 to the Chiefs cornerback Noah Inbonojin, I think is how you say his last name. I don't know, I'm probably wrong, but maybe an option for the Bengals at 33. So we get to 33 now. And we look at that pick and we see who he, who he has. Kyle Krabs says the Bengals taking wide receiver Justin Jefferson out of LSU. I'm completely cool with the pick. I like Jefferson. He was super productive. Um, he's still young a, a lot all of his production came out of the slot is really the only question he tested like a guy he can play on the outside and do work out there and maybe he can the Bengals employ a lot of slot receiver type stuff they they rotate those guys so I don't think it's a problem I like Jefferson a lot he tested better he's the kind of guy you should draft at 33 I just wish he wasn't a 100% slot guy at LSU and you're kind of projecting him to do more the ne- very next pick is also a receiver LaVisca Chanel uh, out of Colorado, and Chenault's more like a running back at receiver. You can do a lot of gadget stuff with him. I think that would be more interesting than me, or, or maybe even the Bengals. You could do a lot of fun stuff with a guy like that. But for an offense that can't figure out how to get Joe Mixon the ball in space from the running back position, will LaVisca Chanel provide anything for you in that range? Uh, at following picks, A.J. Epinesa, defensive end, I, let's say defensive lineman. Now after the way he tested, goes 35. Austin Jackson, offensive tackle, out of USC, goes 36. I think, I think Austin Jackson could be a pick. I think he needs a year of development anyway. So uh, that would be in the Bengals' wheelhouse. Trevon Diggs, corner, Alabama, goes 37. AJ Terrell, cornerback, Clemson, goes 38. JK Dobbins goes 39. We're not probably not interested in that. Neville Gallimore, interior defensive lineman, 40. I think we'd be interested. Antoine Winfield. Junior, the safety out of Minnesota, goes 41. Again, I, I would take him because I think he can play some nickel corner and give you safety depth. The Bengals may need a nickel corner anyways. If it reports are that Dark West and Art's going to seek other opportunities, uh, you could take Winfield and play a lot more three-safety defense and still replace Denard. I think that would work in a lot of ways. Next couple, just to be clear, uh, um, Ross Blacklock I think could be uh, an option, interior defensive lineman, Cal Duggar. Ezra Cleveland, who tested out of this world and matches up with a lot of guys that usually play really well at offensive tackle. So we'll move on to the third round because Kyle Krabs goes three rounds here and setting the table for who is there at round three. He has the Bengals taking Malik Harrison at 65, the 65th pick. Malik Harrison, linebacker, Ohio State. I think this is, we talked about Troy Pride on yesterday's, uh, podcast about him being a perfect target for the pick 65. I think Millie Harrison is the other one. And I think Millie Harrison may actually offer a little bit more value. I have Harrison a little bit higher than pride on my imaginary m- mental board because I haven't put it all down on a spreadsheet yet, but I will. Um, Harrison is big, athletic, comes with a lot of power. Uh, he's going in the third round because he didn't make a lot of plays and he wasn't always present in every. Game every drive if that makes sense. There's a lot of you, you'll go 10 minutes watching Ohio State without seeing Malik Harrison make do anything really besides jump on a pile or chase a guy. Uh, and then you put on the tape and just focus on him, and he does make plays. So there, there's kind of a disconnect there. And I think uh, third round is makes a lot of sense. I think for a guy that's that big that moves that well, this is why the, these guys go in round three, similar to Malik Jefferson, who went in round three from Texas. Because he didn't make plays, right? And I'm not saying he's going to have the same um, outcome, both of the Malik's. But those are the kind of guys you want to take. And I know it didn't work out for Jefferson. But you want to take the guys that have that upside. Because plenty of times it ends up being Bernardrick McKinney for the Texans. And the guy's really good. And that's okay. Because those are, that's how you get those guys in, in round 3, round 2, round 4, whatever it is. So I'm cool with Malik Harrison at 65. I think it's a great pick there. Especially if you cannot... If the value isn't there for linebacker at 33. Hasn't been for a long time. If Murray Queen and Zach Bond end up going around one, which I expect, you might have to wait to round three for linebacker, and that's Millie Carrison. So next few picks, in case you're considering who else is on the board. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver of Arizona State, deep threat guy, didn't test like one, but man, he, he is one on tape and he can run after the catch and punt return. Jordan Brooks, linebacker, Texas Tech, has straight line speed, bigger guy. Can he change direction? Can he cover? Question there. That's why he goes in round three. Joshua Uchi, Edge, Michigan. I would take Uchi. I think he had a tremendous senior bowl. Uh, third round is kind of like the um, Carl Lawson, how, how you end up on round three, round four. Uh, even Jordan Willis, right, ended up round three for testing as, as well as he did. I think Uchi's more natural pass rusher than Willis. He's more in the Carl Lawson, but more of the uh, finesse type. Uchi played a lot of straight up linebacker at Michigan. And then they like needed him to play edge, so he did that. Also, he's good at it. He's he's <clears throat> excuse me. He's an interesting guy. If he, if it goes that route, cornerback David Arnett or Damon. I'm sorry, Arnett out of Ohio State goes 70. I think we'd be interested in that. Ashton Davis, safety out of Cal, 71. There's good players here. Kent, KJ Hamler, wide receiver, Penn State. You want a small, fast guy that can do a lot of stuff, run away from people. That's that might be a pick right there at 73. If you don't go receiver at um, at 33. So, Natani Muti, big, strong, mauling guard from Fresno. Goes 74. four uh, I'd if there's anyone else here in the third round. Damian Lewis I'd be interested in. Troy Bride goes. Kevon Wallace, safety. Uh, Julian Aquara, edge from Notre Dame. Willie Gay Jr., we talked about him. Linebacker, Mississippi State. So And then Akeem Davis-Gay there also goes in round three. who We've been trying to target rounds four and five. So, yep, I mean, that's... That's the situation there. I, I'd be cool with this. This is a, for me, ideal first three rounds. You end up with Burrow, Jefferson, and um, Harrison. I'm cool with Harrison and Jefferson. I wouldn't give them like eight grades for either of those picks. I'd say those are solid B picks. Like Obvious, take them. No one's going to question those at all. you got good chance that either one of those guys will pan out based on the profile. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm cool with that.
1: And I'm going to share my opinion here too. I think That I'd be cool with it as well. I think it's a solid B. I have questions about whether Justin Jefferson can play outside in the NFL, but he tested like he could. And obviously he brings a lot of experience and chemistry with Joe Burrow. And if he can help Burrow establish his culture that, that they did at LSU in Cincinnati, I think that that would be a gain for the Bengals as well. And then Malik Harrison, I think, is an absolute fantastic pick in the third round. I think he has good athleticism. I think he's everything you want. In a modern linebacker, and while he might need to learn a little bit, as Joe said, he might be a little bit raw coming out, he has a lot of potential, the same way that some of the other linebackers that we covet in this draft do. In just a minute here, Joe will be back, and he'll talk about a draft that he gives an A, and I'll give my thoughts at the end of that as well.
0: And I'll do one more just before this one ends, and I'll try to be a little bit quicker since I set the expectations in the, the table there. This one's from Ryan Wilson of Sports.com very similar players going in the in the top 20, except for this time Justin Jefferson goes to the Eagles Brandon Ayuk goes to the Bills Zach Bond to the Pats uh, Josh Jones to the Vikings, Kenneth Murray to the Dolphins Austin Jackson to Seattle so a couple of these guys, AJ Terrell guys that were there at available at 33 are not there, Denzel Mims Packers again, Jeff Gladney, Niners and then DeAndre Swift rounding out the first round to the Chiefs running back, so Who does Ryan have the Bengals taking in round two? He has them taking linebacker from LSU, Patrick Queen, which I think we would love. So back-to-back mock drafts here have the Bengals going back-to-back LSU prospects, and we would have no problem with this one here. Patrick Queen is an athletic linebacker. I think he is just hitting his stride. Very similar to Burrow, I guess, but he wasn't even a starter coming into the year and then really exploded as that starting um, linebacker. Was a junior, declared early. Once he did... Everyone was in on him in terms of, if once you watch the film, you're like, yep, this guy has that natural ability. He handles blockers pretty well for a smaller dude. Comes with a lot of density and power when he hits. Good in coverage. And he, he's just an athletic dude. And I'm really into Patrick Queen at 33. I think he'd be a slam dunk pick. That's the one I'd give an A for on that because I think value meets need. And he'd be near the top of the board. Without a doubt. Next few picks in this second round are Neville Gallimore, Terrell Lewis, Ezra Cleveland, Jalen Johnson, Trevon Diggs, Cesar Ruiz, Grant Delpit. So that's the guy you're passing right there. You're passing Grant Delpit, Uh, Kyle Duggar, Antoine Winfield, and T. Higgins, AJ Epinesa, all the way down to pick 45 now. So yeah, round three now. He goes three rounds. Ryan Wilson. So this would be an A draft for me. And I'm not even going to tell you there yet because I I think you're ending up with another guy that's going to be at the top of the board. Maybe not a major pressing need. We'll have to see how free agency goes. But I do think it's a need and especially a need for this type of guy to replace John Ross. And this is Jalen Rager, wide receiver of TCU. One of the most explosive, dynamic players in this um, draft. I think he's a first-rounder in a normal wide receiver class. This is anything but a normal wide receiver class. And Jalen Rager can go deep. He can take a... um, a screen to the house. He is dynamic. And he te- he was bigger than expected when he came in to the combine. I think it was 215 or 216. Um, didn't test as fast. People thought he might do like a four two four three type thing. No, he tested in the range of he can control his body, unlike some of these guys that run the four twos. 2s I think Rager's going to be a good one. I really like him. You get him at, in the top of round three, man, I am slam dunking this draft as an A+. Plus draft. We can go over a few other picks real quick. Chase Claypool, Ashton Davis, Cameron Dantzler, who's dropping after the the combine. Uh, Damon Arnett, uh, Curtis Weaver. That's about it. Jeremy Chin in the third round. I'd be interested in him. Adam Troutman out of Dayton. So, yeah. A-plus for Ryan Wilson. Good job, dude. And uh, that's how you went over some Bengals fans right there with that three-round mock of Burrow, Queen, and Reger. And I think Joe speaks for all
1: of us there. We'd all be thrilled, right? You get... Three first-round guys, depending on who you ask. Jalen Rager and Patrick Queen both going in first rounds in mock drafts. In this one, they don't. So it just tells you how far there's divergence, and this is pretty normal. Guys think different things at this part of the year. And if if the Bengals end up with those guys, I, I, I agree. A+. plus. Joe and I are back together tomorrow for the full show. So we'll finish up our positional review series with Safety Then and talk about whatever else is going on for the Bengals. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.